Hi, this is Frank McKenna, the Chief Executive and Group Chairman of Downtown in Business. And I want to tell you about a fabulous conference that we're hosting on Thursday, the 7th of September, 2023. In association with Sedulo Group, BDP and VSI Executive Education, we'll be hosting a one-day event, Business of Sport, at the home of Lancashire Cricket Club during the international football break in the autumn. The conference will attract up to 200 delegates from sports organisations, private sector companies and public sector agencies from across the country. Our confirmed speakers so far include Gary Neville, the ex-Manchester United and England footballer turned pundit and entrepreneur. Sir Howard Bernstein, former Chief Exec of Manchester City Council, part of the City's Commonwealth Games delivery and legacy team. The Chief Executive of Women in Football, Yvonne Harrison. GB Javelin Champion and Olympic medalist Goldie Sayers, the Chief Exec of FC United, Natalie Atkinson, and the Chair of the Rugby League World Cup, Chris Brindley. Tickets are available now. Go to downtowninbusiness.com. You'll find out all the information in the events section of our website. More speakers to be announced shortly, but it is going to be a fantastic day. That's Thursday, the 7th of September, 2023, Downtown in Business's Business of Sport Conference. Welcome to the Downtown Den with me, Frank McKenna, the Group Chairman and Chief Executive of Downtown in Business. And those who are regular listeners to what goes on here in the Den will be aware that over the past 10 weeks, we've been interviewing some of the top sports people, some people who have been influential in developing sports and sporting events right across the country. Uh, and host of most of those conversations has been Andy McIntyre. Andy, of course, heads BSI Executive Education. He'll tell us a bit more about that in a moment. Um, but he's also, his organisation has also teamed up with Downtown in Business to host what is going to be a fabulous conference in September, the Business of Sport, with some fabulous speakers, including uh, Gary Neville, Yvonne Harrison, Chris Brindley, many others besides. If you go to our website, downtowninbusiness.com, uh, click on the events section of that website, you will see all the details of that conference, which takes place at the Old Trafford Cricket Stadium. So, Andy McIntyre, good morning. Welcome to the Downtown Den. Good morning. And firstly, congratulations on putting on such a fabulous event on September the 7th. I think it's captivated the imagination of the Northwest sporting community who are really looking forward to understanding the truth of who really are the winners and losers in the business of sport. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating day, I think, of discussion and debate. And I think the thing that we've managed to pull together, Andy, is an eclectic group of speakers who will, as you say, be able to reflect upon, yes, some of the fantastic successes that sport and sporting personalities and some of the clubs that we work with and know well in this part of the world, but also uh, the other end of the spectrum where perhaps we do need to pay a bit more attention moving forward. Well, I think that's that's absolutely true. I do think that the world has started to move forward and at VSI we hope that our education programmes are leading to a more diverse a sustainable sporting community um, because you know we look at com community football clubs such as Berry that have been such an important part of their community been allowed to be badly run and, and have gone to the wall we've seen limited opportunities uh, 
particularly at boardroom level for people of different ethnic and, and gender backgrounds. And we've worked very, very hard to try and change that. And I think that's going to be reflected in the profile of the people that you've invited uh, to join us at the conference. And we're really excited by the future. And I think this conference can be a, a real key annual event in the sporting and business calendar of the Northwest. And um, what we're looking to do at the event, obviously, is three things, I suppose. One, inspire business leaders, because we've got some great sports personalities in the room who can tell of their individual achievements, but more importantly, how they actually got to the pinnacle uh, of their careers. Secondly, of course, um, we will be looking at how sport as a business concept runs because again i think often we are sporting fans who quite rightly turn up to events to be entertained but don't necessarily look under the bonnet and see some of the challenges that clubs at every level uh, mm -hmm. face uh, and finally uh, i suppose it, it's an opportunity as well for us to bring together around 200 people who, yes, have an interest in sport, but do want to be inspired, do want to learn a bit more about the business side of the industry. But it's a great networking opportunity as well. And and as you know, Andy, you know, one of the great things that we do at Downtown, and I know you do this through your alumni programme at VSI, is bring good people together who can then potentially develop relationships and do business together moving forward. Absolutely. I think bringing our alumni and delegates together with your extended network of business leaders is a really exciting uh, proposition for, for all parties, because principally we're engaged in taking athletes who performed often at the most elite level and delivering them with the leadership skills that allow them to function within the sporting Boardroom, you know, we, we were delighted to be given the opportunity to partner with Downtown and Business on the podcast series. And those that listen will have heard from the likes of Wes Morgan, who captained Leicester City to a Premier League title. But he doesn't have an appetite for coaching. He wants to make a difference in the boardroom. So having not been in education since the age of 16, he's chosen to study for a master's degree with us because he wants to be part of the future of sport. He wants to change the face of the boardroom and believes he's got a great contribution to make. And Tony Fortner, my my business partner, uh, co-founder of, of VSI, was very quick to identify, having himself been involved in sports at an elite level, that there was a brain drain of talent leaving sport. So we had people who were smart, intelligent athletes who hadn't been in school since they were 16, but they had so much knowledge, so much experience, and yet once their playing career ended, they were spat out and at best hoped for a coaching career. Now we're trying to create chief execs with that sort of background because they have to be credible. They have to have the formal skills, the knowledge, the learning experience to make a success of a boardroom position. But we know that we can, we can teach lots of people about leadership. What we can't ever have them do is walk in the shoes of a Wes Morgan. Um, and if you if you combine the two, and I, I hope we'll be able to expose this to your uh, cohort, uh, your, your members went at the event, these are impressive people who, when delivered with the formal leadership skills, are really going to make a difference in the business of sport. Mm. And Wes very kindly kicked off the series that you recorded for us, that podcast series, Business of Sport. People have not 
listen to that yet, then they can go into the Den podcast series and they'll find all of those interviews there. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to those interviews, Andy. And I thought, you know, as I said earlier, such an eclectic bunch of, of people that you brought together, you know, from Wes, who's obviously, you know, Premier League winner, FA Cup winner. What a great story that was about the FA Cup final. Uh, performance and appearance that he made, uh, but then through to the, yeah, but then through to the guy at uh, at the Barmy Army, uh, yeah. and again, you know, for for somebody who sort of follows cricket intermittently, uh, a fabulous test match this week, by the way. But in terms of the Barmy Army being a business, yeah, you know, I just thought this was a bunch of guys who followed England and and sort of sang the songs at the right time, created an atmosphere. But, you know, what a fabulous story that was. Absolutely. They took the Barmy Army brand and turned it into a global sports travel business. <laughs> and um, and what a success it's been. Joe Root's brother's one of the directors of it. And fabulous. It, it's, it's really amazing the way people have made money through sport, through innovation. And one of the things that particularly fascinated me was hearing from Kenny Bruce, who was the founder of Purple Bricks. And um, he come from a very humble background um, in Larn in Northern Ireland, known as the Black Town, because every every house had one side of it that was black, and it was because of the coal dust that blew off the ships that were in the docks there. So it was known as the Black Town, a pretty uh, a challenging place to live. When he made his fortunes with Larn, he with uh, Purple Bricks, he went back and has just won the Northern Ireland Premier League with a club who, when he took it over, were bottom of the second tier of the league. This week, I know they're in full training to play their first Champions League game. Wow. Um, so that in itself is one story. But we've always got to remember that, that there are challenges that we all need to address in sport. And David Thompson, a former Liverpool uh, footballer, seen as very much the the, the star thing coming through when he was young he talked on the on the podcast very movingly about his challenges with mental health post playing um and highlighted the need for uh, clubs and uh, unions to protect the interests of their members far better very it was very very moving that podcast it was uh, he he was reduced to tears at points in it he's a very authentic guy He's come through the storm and he now wants to put back something into the community. And he himself is studying uh, to be a a sporting director um, because he feels that athletes need protecting far better than they were uh, maybe 15 or 20 years ago. But uh, fascinating to hear the likes of of him being so honest. And I know that, that you're network, many of whom will be, I know you don't want to hear this, Frank, but many of whom will be uh, Liverpool fans rather than Evertonians, <laughs> uh, will enjoy mingling with the likes of, of David, who I'm sure will attend and will love hearing his story. And I think a lot of your business leaders will look at some of these sports people who've developed their formal education skills and think, do you know what? They might just work within our organisations outside of sport. Yeah, absolutely. I think the beauty of the course that you guys run, obviously I've had the pleasure of coming along and participating in some sessions myself with VSI, It is that those skills that often create high-performing 
ambitious individuals are very, very transferable into business. And although I know that your uh, main objective is to get people within your cohort into sport and organisations, as you rightly say, there's no reason whatsoever why those skills can't be taken into the world of commerce as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a, a measure of the scale of the sports industry itself, though, is is the very fact that we have a university um, based in Manchester and London that's totally dedicated uh, to um, sports and to bringing through people who might work in a ticket office, people who might work on uh, as groundsmen. So there's a whole array of an ecosystem of, of jobs, and we were fortunate enough to interview Brendan Flood, who used to own uh, Burnley Football Club, and who's who's the founder of UCFB, the university that specialises in just in educating people for this ecosystem of sport. But again, those people come out with their degrees and those skills, as you correctly identify, are very much cross-transferable to into sectors that your members uh, represent. And just reflecting on that series of interviews that you, you did, Andy, and again, you will have known most of those people before you had the conversations. As you say, the David Thompson interview, I thought, was very raw, very authentic, um, and a must-listen for anybody who's interested in uh, not just, by the way, uh, the mental health issues, but his journey through that that world of football. And and as you say, you know, certainly a rising star, a talent. I got the impression, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Andy, but in terms of David, had he been around today, he'd have been managed and handled in a very different sort of way. And I think he'd have probably gone further. Would you agree with that? Or do you think I'm being a bit unkind? No, I think you're you're absolutely spot on. Um, I think that clubs quite appropriately now are far more protective of their young players. Um, I think maybe there's a difference as well in terms of leadership and that they'll explain decisions. So David talks about Gerard Houllier repeatedly substituting him after 60 minutes. And back in the day, it was an assumption that he wasn't playing well. (laughs) In fact, Gerard was protecting him because he was only 17 or uh, nearly 18. And But what he didn't ever do was take time to explain, this is the reason why I'm doing it. Now clubs create a pathway for a player and they're very much all into what, what's the expectation of the club and why they're, why they're doing things. So I do think, fortunate that the game has moved on at most clubs and um, David would have probably had a far longer career because he suffered a chronic injury um, which, which brought his his career to an end, and I, I do wonder whether uh, in in the modern game he'd have been protected more from that. Um, but as as you say, he's absolutely authentic, and it's fabulous to see the positivity that he he now has and the way he's moving forward. And quite quite interestingly, one of the other podcasts um, with David Murray. I was just going to come on to that because, of course, David's going to be with us at the conference. Yeah, and and David did uh, the second Sky TV deal, so he's bought TV rights all over all over the world, and is a, is a an entrepreneur, um, um, and just one of those incredibly clever individuals. But I think people, if they've, if they've listened to the podcast, will enjoy listening to just how those TV deals are struck. Yeah, I think David's interview was 
uh, one of the most insightful in terms of the business uh, of football and gave you an indication, some evidence, I suppose, as to why the game has gone the, the way it has. Uh, and I suppose the other thing I'd like to explore with David on the day of the conference in September is whether or not he thinks this huge bubble that has been created now, largely around Premier League football, but we're seeing growth in places like Saudi Arabia, we're seeing growth in places like the US, lots of investment uh, going into those countries. And of course, investment from those places coming into the English game. But whether he thinks that that bubble might burst anytime soon, what's your sense, Andy? Because I know you take a very close interest in these things. Well, my view is that the bubble isn't going to burst. And in fact, we're only actually starting to see the beginnings of the explosion of financing football. Wow. And I know just talking to um, one of our, our academic team, Dr. Rob Wilson, who's one of the leading football finance experts in the country, he's fixed his valuation of Man United at, at uh, £7 billion. And the reason he says it's £7 billion is because they've only just started to monetize their global fan base. And David David would speak far more articulately and far more knowledgeably than, than I, as indeed with Rob Wilson. Um, but it is the case that they believe we're only seeing the beginning. Uh, just to give you one small statistic, the average fan at the Dallas Cowboys pays £65 to the club each year. At Manchester United, they pay 50p. <laughs> really? So, Is that right? So if you turn that 50p into a dollar, two dollars, you can see why the Americans are all over the English sports market. <laughs> That's an incredible stat. Um, and and j just in terms of moving the conversation forward, because this isn't all going to be a conversation about money and finance. You know, we're very, very interested in how sport impacts on communities and, mm. and on people. And again, I'm delighted that we've got the Chief Executive of Women in Football, Yvonne Harrison. We've got Natalie Atkinson, who's Chief Executive of FC United, uh, a club that was born out of the community roots. Um, and again, I know you're passionate about this, Andy. You know, sport ought to be seen as a vehicle for change, for positivity and for inclusion. Uh, and again, you and I are both close to uh, you, Manchester City, me, Everton, who do some fantastic work in community, community development. I think Everton's gets recognised and acknowledged a little bit more because Manchester City, obviously very successful on the field as well. Um, but nonetheless, you know, there's lots and lots of sporting-led community initiatives that are crucially important to society. Absolutely. I mean, Everton's uh, community project has been held up as a beacon to the industry for for many years, and I, I think other people are emulating it um, quite quite appropriately. So, and the three speakers that you've got that you just detail will will, will talk with some eloquence about the, their role in in the community and sport, um, because ultimately, and I think this is why people complain about um, a fo football. A debt being ring fenced in the event of a club going into administration. And I think the reason for that is that they are so important and so enshrined in a community. They're not just like a normal business. People live and breathe their football. And to see the likes of Macclesfield Town um, uh, 
go bankrupt and then there was a, res- a resurrection and it's been a fantastic example of a community club Berry Football Club's another one where we hope they're going to come back from the abyss but the damage to the community of um, reckless ownership is spectacular because those clubs have been the, the, the places that kids have gone from the age of seven, eight, girls, boys, uh, playing, learning, enjoying, understanding their local community, identifying with a local community. And I think you're going to hear at the, at the, uh, the conference just why uh, primarily, arguably, it's the impact on the community that we should focus on most in sport. And we did uh, an interview, or I did an interview with uh, Sir Howard Bernstein as part of the Business of Sport um, series, podcast series. And and that was all to do really with the economic impact of the Commonwealth Games and then the investment into into Manchester City. And of course, the regeneration, the renaissance, the transformation of East Manchester. I mean, it is... For people who know that part of Manchester, and obviously I did uh, because I've worked in the city for a long time now, it's just irrecognisable, isn't it? Uh, I mean, just a model of regeneration. Um, I used to drive past there with, uh, funny enough, with Tony Fortner, and we'd look at them building the academy, the new academy, and think this is going to be trashed by the, you know. And you know what? You learn if you give people good facilities, they protect them, look after them. That area of the city is a, an absolute model for regeneration. How would you take great personal pride? And, and, you know, the funny thing is we can all talk about the numbers and you look at the regeneration. I had the great privilege of bumping into Howard um, outside the Etihad on a, on a match day. And we were both looking up at the stadium. I said to him, you, you must feel something special about this because sport is about emotion. The fact that he had his old main road seat in his office at Manchester City Council. Mm-hmm. But I stood with him and there was a twinkle in his eye because, yes, the business is important. And, yes, everything that he's done, he's got great pride in. But you know what? Sport's in your heart. It's the emotion. It's the passion. And uh, for all he's done, he remains a fan. And I think that's the great thing about sport that we work in sport we're around sport but ultimately there's very few things that drive your emotion uh, in, in my case as a Manchester City fan like the Sergio goal that won the league or you know the Ashes uh, cricket recently has been incredibly intense and dramatic and I think we should never lose sight of the fact that sport's about emotion and it's about uh, bonding people together and delivering theatre uh, in my view, beyond uh, any other theatre. Andy, that's a great note on which to end. I'm really looking forward to uh, the conference, 7th of September, as I say, at Old Trafford Cricket Stadium. Uh, I know that you're looking forward to it equally as much, and you'll be interviewing some great people alongside myself. Um, l- listen, um, it's been great working with you guys. It's going to be great continuing that work as we present this conference, as I say, in September. And Andy, thanks for being in the downtown den with us today. And as I said earlier, if anybody wishes to hear Andy's interviews, series of about seven or eight conversations, absolutely fascinating insight into finance of football, the business of football, and high-performing individuals within sport, uh, then go on to our Spotify account, go on to the downtown den, all of those interviews 
can be listened to there. Andy, great to see you. Now we'll catch up again soon. Many thanks, Frank. Take care. Cheers, mate. Cheers now.